When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Wednesday, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a brand new episode of I've Got a Secret. Andy Grammer is a multi-platinum, Emmy Award-winning musician and producer with 2.5 billion streams to date. You know his hit songs, Honey, I'm Good, and Keep Your Head Up, among so many others. Andy started out as a street performer in Santa Monica and is now kicking off his latest national tour. Andy is here to talk about relentlessly following your passion, seeking validation within yourself, and building a family with a foundation of love. This is the secret to keeping your head up. Now, I was going to sing the title of this podcast, (laughs) but I didn't dare do that. So thank you so much, Andy, for being here and doing my podcast with me. I've been so excited about this. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. How sweet. Oh, my gosh. I still think about when you were on the Dr. Phil show recently. It's been a little while, but it was so much fun having you. Such a blast and get to get to sing that song. And then there were people in the audience that that, uh, had stories related to it. It was it was incredible. Yes, it was. It was. It was just flawless. So I want all the listeners to know that uh, we had a show recently of women who had survived cancer and were in the process of beating the odds. And you were so kind to come on and sing a song for them. And so it was just a beautiful, beautiful show, beautiful day. And I just want to thank you so much for that, you and your band. Thank you. You know, I think that one of the things that makes us happy is when we get to be of service to other people. And I think there's like a graph somewhere that shows that the more that the person needs the service that you're providing, the happier it makes you. I think you're right. So when you take someone who is going through like an illness to that magnitude, um, to be able to make their day better or somehow connect with them in some way that is helpful uh, just brings immense joy. It was a wonderful day. Yes. Thank you so much again. Thank you. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Philip is always saying that uh, when there's something that you need for yourself, Go find someone else who also needs it, and it fills you up just as much. It's like the hack to get yourself out of a funk is to go be of service to somebody else. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Well, so let's talk about you and your beautiful music and, and your journey that you're on. Being in music runs in your family, correct? Yeah. So my mom and my dad both wrote uh, a, a ton of children's music, and then my dad is the singer. He's fantastic. He's read grammar. If you have kids. Yep. If you're listening to this and you have children, he's got awesome albums called Teaching Peace and Down the Doe Ray. It's just really, really sweet, meaningful music, which can be hard to do. Yes. Sweet and meaningful without being cheesy is a really hard target to hit. So I grew up with parents that were trying to do it, and it was great. Oh, I love that. I love that. I I actually have four grandchildren, and they're all perfect for your father's music and actually your music because— uh, I have a granddaughter that's actually turning 12 on Friday, and her little brother oh, uh, is a 10 and a half. Yeah. But we also Perfect. have two new grandchildren. Our granddaughter with our other son who's just turned one, 
about three weeks ago, and the day after she turned one, her little brother was born. Oh, wow. So we it's have like, we have the, a gap between the grandchildren, but they're all just beautiful and precious, and music is something they love. They love it. You know, I, my daughters are about to turn five, and another one's about to turn two. Oh. So we're right in the... And they love music. We sing all the time. It's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love that. So I guess your parents yeah. must have been incredible mentors to have been in the music business your whole life and musicians, songwriters. They must have been incredible mentors for you. It was really lucky. If you want to be a songwriter, to grow up in a house of people that are just continually writing songs around you, oh. you know, you know, I grew up not knowing how special that was. And then, uh, when I got out to Los Angeles and started hearing different stories of artists who had to kind of like, I don't know, just do the dance of fighting with their parents about, I want to go after this dream or I want to do this and, and having so much resistance to it, to have been kind of bred for it. Well, I, I didn't realize how lucky that was. And that's not everybody's story. So I feel very, very blessed in that way. That's so true. That's, you do hear that a lot, that, that unless your parents just totally support you 100% on whatever it is you want to do, then some parents can't understand that need to just go for your passion, especially I think when it's in the arts. It's in the arts. And, and even more than like just saying, you know, there's one thing if you're a parent, you say like, oh yeah, you can do anything, go for it. But if you grew up watching your mother and father create a business out of art that was doing good for people, that's really lucky to grow up in that household. So God, true. So lucky. So yeah, true. I just watched I watched him go out on tour and I would be backstage at shows and I watched them in the living room, like tweaking lyrics to try to make them fit and work. And why is the hook not hitting as good as it should? And it was a really, really lucky place to be for where I'm at now. Oh, that's so wonderful. Our youngest son is a musician. He tours and he writes songs and, and everything. And we have always supported him. And I feel really bad that neither one of us can carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> I don't believe it. That's funny. But we we did we always have supported him because it is yeah, has always been awesome. his passion. So you yeah. started out as a street performer on Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica. How was this experience? It was so wonderful and so hard. You know, like I think when I look back at it now, I kind of like put rose-colored glasses over it and and remember it as being so wonderful. It was brutal. You're doing a long day of no one caring, oh. which is, as an artist, a little, you know, you got to build up your resistance to, to being ignored for yeah. long, long periods of time. Or even just, you know, the thing of the artist is that you create something. It's from you. Uh, it's from whatever, wherever creativity comes from. And you have this really emotional experience with creating something. And then you show it to the public. And, uh, and a lot of times it's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when, and they just walk on by. They just walk right by. Yeah. When you're creating it, you, you wouldn't create it unless you thought it was good. Yeah. So it's this kind of, you have to build up kind of a callousness around, I'm going to be totally open and free when I'm creating something. And then I'm going to perform it for people and take the feedback of like, oh, this isn't hitting for some reason. I don't know why. And then go back oh. to the drawing board and the back and forth. It was like an amazing focus group yeah. for for what worked and what didn't work and what songs were making people feel and what which ones weren't. And I did that for about four years. So it was a long time to be out there kind of shedding different song ideas and different ways of keeping an audience. And, oh, they left. I had them on this, and, and then they left on this one. So that one's out. Oh. What else? Yeah. It was like yeah. a really great way to develop artist development with strangers. 
That is very interesting, though. That's so true. And especially for four years, you had such a, a large, like you said, focus group. You you had a varied age group. That's wonderful when you stop and think about it. No. So you actually, you would try something out and you would see, okay, he liked it. She didn't. He stopped. Yeah. He didn't. I love that. Even like the step before writing my own songs is covering people's songs. Uh-huh. So you cover a Michael Jackson song and nobody likes it. You're like, all right, I don't sound great doing that. Let me try to cover this one. And so it was a very much, uh, yeah, I, whenever I speak on this, I always, if there's any artists listening, I try to really demystify the idea that anybody has it. Uh-huh. Like there's not like people that have it and people that don't have it. Sure, there's le- leveling, like varying levels of uh, talent and stuff, but so much of it is, are you willing to just jump in and kind of like do the dirty work to figure out your purpose? What do you have to offer? What's, what's, what do you, what's your story? What's your unique take? What does your voice sound good doing? And the only way to, you know, it's, as an artist, you almost feel like you should know that uh-huh. at, when you get started, but you don't. The only way that you know is by just sharing things and failing and trying to get better and, and staying with it and pushing through uh-huh. and eventually getting to something that's like, oh, I think I found this is like... This is what I, this is where my sweet spot is. Oh, I love I always that. say that, that people say be yourself and that is like, it's the top of like, it's like, just be yourself. And I feel like that's such a road to climb. <laughs> I, I totally <laughs> agree. I totally agree. So doing that, what did you find your it was? Well, my it was um, really singing and kind of cheering people on uh-huh. in, in, in how to get to their higher selves, not in like a religious way, just uh-huh. in an everyday way. So uh-huh. song like Keep Your Head Up was the one that I wrote out on the street. I wrote it for myself. I found that a lot of times if I write songs for myself, then they're universal uh-huh. and, uh, and then I share them with other people and it works for them in, the, in their own way. So let me ask you this. As a performer, did you find that when you were singing a song that was your favorite, you got better feedback, a better audience, or did you find that when you were singing a song that maybe wasn't your favorite, but you got good feedback, you stuck with that song? I think you have both instances that there's no perfect way to do it. Uh Uh, For sure, when you're doing something that people like, that is really great. Uh And, And so the, I always say that when you start out doing something, especially with art, the phrase is that someone's giving you their attention. Yeah. They're gifting it to you because you're not really great. And so we've all been to, to friends shows where we're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm giving you my attention. Yeah. And if you figure out how to like through the process of the four years, slowly developing like, oh, what is it that's, that's me giving to you? Like how, how, how is what I'm created here? How is my voice sitting? How does this hook land to where, you know, Leonardo da Vinci calls music the shaping of the invisible. How am I becoming an architect of this invisible thing to where it's actually giving to you? Yes. And when that switch happens, then it starts to move. It wow. starts to move pretty quick. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever have any sort of stage fright that you had to overcome? <laughs> no. No. Uh, I've needed a lot of attention since I was a wee young little boy. Oh, yes. I love that. Because it seems like when I talk to a lot of performers – they will tell me that they've ha- that they experience stage fright, and I'm just like, gosh, I-, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I can imagine having stage fright, yes, 
Uh, but the only time I felt like to me, the spotlight is usually very inviting and that I, I think as artists, you should have a little bit of like, I should probably be in that light. Like there's a light over there. I should Ooh. probably be in it, which is funny. And you don't want to be cocky, but I, ha I have that a little bit. I love that. Except when I did the show dancing with the stars. Oh, yeah. That was like, Oh God, that is the only time I've seen stage light and been like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing a cha-cha in that light. <laughs> That's I'm afraid of that. I don't want to do that, but I did it. It was still really fun. And you, and you did enjoy that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was really fun. Everyone says it's the hardest thing they've ever done. I could not imagine doing that because that's a lot of pressure. You could, you could do it. It was a lot of pressure and it was like, it was really fun. And uh, I gained a lot of appreciation for dance. Yeah, it. It's just yeah. another art, art form that I didn't know that much about that I really appreciate now. Well, that's good. That's good. I love the quote you referenced. The reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reels. That is brilliant. It's really good. That's not mine. That's Stephen Furtick. Oh. I took it from a tweet. So I don't want to make sure, make sure I don't take okay. credit for that. But that okay. I, I really love that, that we do. We tend to compare yeah, we compare ourselves to everyone else's highlight reels. Yep. And, and even that's why whenever I talk about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't just like come out singing great. <laughs> I didn't just come out writing songs great. There was a long process of really sucking at this to get to a place to where now I feel like I have something to offer. And so hopefully that's encouraging to anyone who's starting and feels like maybe they're not getting back from the world that it's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Not everyone. I don't think anyone could say that they were a success from day one no yeah another thing i love to uh, reference another quote that's not mine is from i think it's i can't remember his name but someone someone said that the reason you get into art is because you have really good taste so you get into whatever art form you you're in because you're like i have good taste i know what's good and so say your taste is up here and then you start to create whatever that thing is and you're just starting so it's bad and you have good taste, so you're the first one to know that it's like not very good. So the only way to get what you're creating up to where your taste is is just do it a billion times. You oh, just gotta I love just that. Do, it, do it and 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 not judge it too much, especially in the beginning. Just make sure have your allegiance be to doing as opposed to doing something great. Oh, I love that. And I've also heard yeah. a quote, and I don't know who said it, is if you really love something you'll uh, you'll realize that you'll never be the best at it so you're gonna always be practicing yeah yeah always i think they were talking it's, about it's, golf but <laughs> me with songwriting there is no best so it's just more and more like how do you get closer to what's true for you yeah. and that will probably yeah as, as opposed to like trying to take over the world and be the best the best at something it's more like how do i get clear and clear and clear on what my purpose is. Yeah. Because I think that has like the most potent stuff in it that'll spread. Oh. Yeah. And you wrote a lot of songs in your early career before landing on your big hits, right? Yeah. Lots. Yeah. I For both the first three or four albums, it was 100 songs per album. Wow. There's like a... a a phrase like a, a thing in music where they say like if you write five songs they're all good if you write 50 songs you'll have like five good songs and wow. if you write a hundred then you got one really good one wow because you slowly like realize how good it has to be by doing it so so many times yeah. that's wonderful 
I think that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, you and I have a lot in common because I know you believe in the power of manifestation, and I am totally a proponent of that. Yeah, yeah. So just like, yeah, sending out into the universe, uh, making a decision in yourself, and then kind of, yep. yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on that. Put, I, I'm putting it out of this is what's going to happen. And then taking immense action to make it happen. That seems to be how things move forward. I agree. I think that you can't just sit by and let life happen. I totally believe that God has a plan for all of us, but I'm not just going to sit by and see what that plan is. I, I yeah. totally manifest what I believe I'm supposed to have and what I need and what I want. And it's all in the positive. It's all yeah. in the positive. So how do you know? Yeah, action-based, making sure that you're kind of a doer. Yes, Yeah. yes. How did you start manifesting your career? I think it started, even before I went to the street, I was just so fed up. Because everybody has fear around creating something. And so, and one of the main fears when you're getting started is that you're going to have to trade in this idea of yourself for where you're actually at. And that's like a hard hurdle to get over yeah. you know there's a lot of people in los angeles or you know just a lot of artists here and a lot of um it's like oh my album will be coming soon because once you say it's done then you have to get you're, you're actually judged on what it is and where you're at yep and so being okay you have to build up a thick skin to finish songs finish creations and deal with wherever they're at um and so i think perfection sometimes is really just Fear being really coy, getting you to not take a step. Yeah. Yep. That yeah. sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened before I went to the street was I just got so fed up with not doing it. And I, the fear was so frustrating to me and coming to terms with the fact the reason I wasn't starting is because I was afraid that it wouldn't be up to the expectation that I was hoping it was. And eventually it was like burning in me and I couldn't take it anymore. So I just went and made a little demo that isn't great and I burned a bunch of CDs and I went out to the street and I just started selling this imperfect demo and started playing to strangers and that was the beginning. And then you can actually get to work, you know? Isn't that wonderful that you can now look back and know that you finally had, you were just, you'd had enough. You were sick of just, of the fear and you just got started. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh my God, I feel like we're just like doing quotes here. I just saw something on Instagram that was like, if you're, if you're afraid of trying, um, that that's real because bad things can happen if you try, but the bill for not trying is so big. Yeah, <laughs> it's so massive for if you don't try. And when you put those next to each other, it's like, oh, I'd rather try then. Because uh -huh. if I don't try, uh, that road leads to a really like a place I just really don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a heavier, boring place. We're a lot alike because yeah. I am so into quotes. I actually will write them down when I find a very meaningful quote, funny quote. I don't care what it is, but if it really gets me, I love it. I'll put some on Philip's desk. Sometimes I think he needs to read. I pass them out to my friends. I love them. But I feel like that a good quote is just captures something that we're all going through. Yes. Especially for people like um, I think a, sometimes a joke, a cynical, a good cynical joke is like something we're all going through that we want to complain about. But a good quote is like pointing you upwards somehow, yes. reminding you something true about this whole experience. It's yeah. so true. I just love it. Now we've come to a place in this podcast when I started. I 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. So I want to do two things. I want to do a drink of the day and okay. something else I will do later. So right now we're going to do drink of the day. And I okay. always create a drink that is in honor of my guest and the topic. So this drink right. is honey, let's drink. So <laughs> I love this one is in honor, of course, your song, Honey, I'm Good. I yes. created a honey-themed cocktail. So Amazing. this has six ounces of iced tea. You're going to combine the whiskey, lemon juice, honey, and vanilla into a shaker with ice. Give it a good shake and strain into a highball glass with ice. Top it with your iced tea and stir. So cheers to How is you. It? Oh, it's delicious. Delicious. So for all of you listeners, you can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you can see the drink prepared and you can also see the recipe and have one for yourself. So what do you consider your big break? Probably the biggest break was um, the har- the hardest thing is to, is to create something that takes you from being like unknown the word unknown to known is crazy because that's like fame and that's so crazy. I think it's really just like as an artist not being seen uh-huh. and then creating something where people go like, oh, I get you. I get what you have to offer. And that was uh, Keep Your Head Up. That was my first song. And I wrote that while I was street performing. Oh, I love and So that. that was the one that took me like the impetus from, okay, now you have more things to do than play in the street. It's time to go on a radio tour. It's time to go on tour. It's time to, yeah, that was really oh. lucky. I'm sorry that your mom has passed, but can, oh, I, yeah. can I ask you, how proud was she of you? Oh, my God. Well, it's funny because I have a very interesting relationship with her, and she passed when I was 25. Oh. And then when I was 26 is when I wrote Keep Your Head Up. And oh. I wrote it kind of as a pick-me-up to myself one day, street performing. No one put any, any tips in my case, and I was just like oh. really struggling. And I wrote myself a pick-me-up song. And I don't know exactly what the interplay is between people who have passed and people who are still here. But I'm pretty clear that me and my mom have a a whole thing going on. And I've had many awesome experiences. And I know that I got a momager on the other side that is like making a lot of things happen in my life. And it's wonderful. Oh, I just got full body chills. I totally believe your mom was there when you wrote that song. Yeah. 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 And she, um, I mean, I even had an experience where she's, um, one of my songs is called she'd say, which is one of my favorites. And it is a song where my wife unbeknownst to me, got me a call with a medium and I get on the phone with this medium 
And I'm like, okay, how's it going? I don't really know exactly what, what we're doing here, but okay. And he goes like, oh my God, your mom is definitely here. <gasps> and she says, she really wants you to write a song to your daughter from her perspective of everything that she would say because she can't be there to say it. And I was like, that is such a good idea. Thank you. And like, you're like ordering songs from heaven. You're just ordering them at this point. And so I wrote her this song uh, for my mom to my daughter. And then my mom's, one of my mom's favorite records was Graceland by Paul Simon, where he went to Africa and had Ladysmith Black Mombasa. Uh, it's like an all male choir and they have this incredible sound. And after I wrote that song, the same week, that group happened to be in Los Angeles. Like so many things <gasps> came together. So I rushed over and I got them in the studio and the song is featuring Ladysmith Black Mombasa. And they're singing in Zulu. And they're singing in Zulu. They're saying, I miss my mom. This is what she'd say. And it's just such an unbelievable, like those, I have like 12 of those in my life that are that crazy. So when you have enough of those, you go like, I'm in mom, whatever. I'm down. I'm super open to this. Oh, Let's keep party going. Yeah. That's beautiful. That, th yeah. that's a beautiful story. I totally believe that your mom was with you when you wrote that song and every other message has come from your mama. Yeah, I have two boys. We're, I'm very close to my two boys. And my youngest son, Jordan, was born one year to the day that I lost my mother. And I yep. totally convinced my mother sent my son to me. 100% mm. convinced. Sweet. Wow. So sweet. I had been struggling with music for a while. And then pretty shortly after she passed, it started to go. So God bless her. Wow. That's real. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure I know your father's very proud of you. I, I love oh, that. he's, and I've just ripped so much of, of him when people go like, where do you get some? I'm like, oh, my dad, like, I just ripped it all from my dad. Go listen <laughs> to his music. Yeah. Wow. Did it feel like the stakes were higher once you became a radio success? Did it affect your songwriting? I think that the first, everybody, a lot of artists talk about the second album uh -huh. and that, that is a lot of pressure because you feel like you've gained attention and you don't want to be someone who uh, kind of fades away after you've gotten some of it. But I think that's mostly just fear. Yeah. What, what, what's yeah. asked of you as an artist is to like show up and bring yourself and do it to the best of your ability and all the other stuff. You, you, but we fall into these traps of thinking that, oh my God, they'll never let me get on stage again. It'll be, oh. So I, I did this, the very basic thing of like falling into that trap and had to write a lot of songs for my second album. And actually wrote a hundred and we were at the um, kind of like supposed to be a celebration playing the 10 best that we love. And my manager at the, who's still my manager today, Ben Singer, he's just an unbelievable um, force who isn't one to give in to uh, whatever everybody else is, is agreeing on. He takes his own lane. Uh -huh. So we're with some other friends. We're like, oh my God, all these songs sound great. This is going to be amazing. And he's got this like serious look on his face. He's like, we don't have, we don't have what we need. And I literally, it had been like a year and a half process of writing almost every day, like a hundred songs. I'd written my face off and I've tried to get, you know, what was, what was needed. And he's like, we don't have it. So instead of a party, it became like this super bummer of a night oh. where the kind of my coach is going like, we don't, you didn't hit the mark. We don't have what we need. And then the next day kind of out of desperation, 
I went in with a good friend to write another song because like you just keep going. And then we wrote Honey, I'm Good that day. <gasps> oh, wow. So, like, so sometimes he totally gotta, knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. It's really – it's also so sweet to have a, like a coach, yeah. someone who's willing to put – we can push ourselves a lot and I do push myself a lot. Yeah. But I would be lying if I would say I, I would have gotten here without someone like him who is right up – right by my side pushing me, going like, oh, you know what? You're not the best at that. So I need you to dig into that area a little bit or you're really great at this but you like – you always seem to not – pay attention to that. And uh, he's been really, really helpful. Wow. That is wonderful. I, I do agree. That's great that not everyone needs a yes man alongside them all the time. That That's wonderful that you have oh. him. God bless him. Yeah, seriously. He's amazing. Now, over the last two years, you started to realize that your self-worth was more attached to external sources that you realized. Is that right? Yeah. You know, uh, the, the tour that I just went on, the first leg is the Art of Joy tour. Oh. And more than ever, I've, I'm finding that joy, my favorite definition of joy is gladness not based on circumstance, right? So like the circumstances around you should not have the effect of deciding whether you are full of joy or not. Oh, that's beautiful. And the only way that that can actually happen is if you're in, it's inside. It has to come from inside of you. And there's just a lot of invisible deep work that has to happen there if you actually want that to be the case. Well, that's so and, true. Uh, yeah. And so I got into therapy. That For me, when you strip away all of what my life was, which is running around the country and playing shows to thousands of people and these kind of euphoric moments with thousands of people, um, when you take that away for two years, it, it kind of put me into a tailspin. And I don't love to be alone, you know? I'm working that out in therapy. Like, why not? But I, so I really had to just sit with myself and start to figure out some of the reasons um, why I have trouble finding joy by myself or or, or finding worth by my alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a really good journey. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. A journey worth traveling. A journey yes. worth doing. That's funny. Yes. Now, let me ask you this. Is it difficult to practice this when you're in the public eye, getting so much daily feedback about your art? Do you have to stop that and then focus just on your work on yourself? Yeah. I think there's real, kind of like the way that I would set up a songwriting session, because I know that if I want, if I block out these four hours, uh, my life's so busy mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to set up time to go be better at songwriting and write a song. It's kind of got to, you got to do that with your, with your internal self. Yes. And create situations where you're like, oh, you know what? I need to be in nature or I need to make sure I work out. Not even so that I like look good, yeah. but because that, that makes me feel better. And then all my life is better. So like self mastery is yeah. starting to be something I'm trying to understand. Like, how do I make myself work the best? And, uh, and that was, I was a little bit more of just kind of running in all directions well, uh, it's a full-time job, isn't it? Being fulfilled and, and <laughs> it is, it's a lot, it's a lot of energy and, and, and just the pandemic forced me to put my internal self higher on the chain of, of yeah. importance. You know, I can so remember when the pandemic started, I was like, now we all have to stay at home. We have yeah. to slow down. And it wasn't until the really towards the end that I thought, okay, I'm kind of ready for this to be over. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate it in the long haul. Yeah. It was hard. 
Yeah, but it, but it, yeah, it, it, it was, it was hard. It was very hard, especially when you're a type A personality and you always have to be doing something and always trying to, you know, get things done and create more things. But uh, are you an or an introvert? Would you align more with? I'm gonna say I am an introvert in that I am a family person and I love to stay at home. But then once I'm home, I'm type A. So I run the house. I'm the matriarch. I want to make sure all the chickens are in bed at night. You know, I so I'm type A when it comes to running the family and the, and the home and making sure everyone's okay and everything's done. Yeah. But that's where I'm the happiest. Yeah, now, I, I get a lot around other people. Like I love it. It's my it's my favorite. Yeah. And so I think I took that too far to the extreme to where I. That it needed to come back a little bit to understand how to be alone and then just enjoy on an off day, just like taking in a movie and not being productive for a little bit. Yeah. You know? It is hard to do is- for people like you who are get energy and you're an artist and you get in front of people and perform and do what you're meant to do. It is hard to stop that, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm getting there because you have to. Survival. You must. You can't keep going. That's I couldn't right. keep going the way I would you would you say that you're a shy person by nature? No. See, no. I asked that question because Philip is very, very shy. Really? Yes. And people find that odd, but but he can get on stage and just excel. I mean, like he is on fire when he's on stage doing his thing. But I guess it's because he is what he's doing is being himself. I think he's a brilliant yeah. man. And when he's on stage, he's, he's really being himself. But he himself, though, is a very shy person. He doesn't like to oh. stand around at a party and visit. No, yeah. he, he hates that. He's miserable. Let me at a party. Let me at it. Just let me in and make friends with every single person there and get to know them and what makes them tick. And how can I be of service to you? How, what's going on in your life? What's up? Let's talk about it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm sure you had a hard time with the pandemic then. Yes. Oh, oh, it was so bad for me. Check on your ex friends. Make sure they're okay. It was so hard. Oh, my gosh. And not on the phone. You want to go over there and check on them. <laughs> I come over and I want there to be a lot of people. And I like, I just love my, my parents used to say my favorite thing. They'd always find like my favorite thing is to fall asleep in the middle of a party. That's uh-huh. where I feel like the most comfortable is when I'm surrounded by so many people. Oh, bless your heart. You had a hard time. I could just know it. I just know it. <laughs> I bet you cannot wait to get out on this tour. Yeah, it's so fun. You know, getting out the first leg was incredible. And it's called The Art of Joy. And I have a song called Joy and seeing people just dance, oh. just joyful dance. And it was uh, it was really special. And I got to try out. I, I do spoken word, too. Yeah. So I like I'll do poetry in between the songs. And those really were connecting and just oh. really uh there's something special that happens when um, thousands of people are unified in something. Yes. And the same melody, they're all singing the same words. We, we need that. We like, I don't know, there's something really powerful about it that, that uh, we haven't all gotten to do a lot. And it's, oh. it was really nice. Oh, I bet that's so beautiful. I, I just can't wait, to, I can't wait to be at one of your concerts. And yeah. do you have big screens where you put the words up and they all speak No, we words? did time. This time we just we we had a really awesome set design and I have a huge band that comes with me and we just put it all into that. It was oh, I bet that's so beautiful. And I know yeah. that you have two absolutely precious daughters, Izzy and Louie. 
Yes. They are just adorable. How did you come up with these precious, precious names? Because my son and daughter-in-law just went through the naming process because our grandson, Gray Oliver, was just born three weeks ago. And of course, all parents take it very seriously when they name their children. And his older sister, who's one year old, her name is Ro Ringley. Beautiful. Ro Ringley. Precious name. Ringley is a family name. But how did you come up with these precious names for your daughters? You know, as someone that travels a lot, um, I really take in a lot of the energy of each city that I'm in or state. And so, or place that I go to, it's like one of my favorite things. I get to travel around and then, oh, what's new and interesting about this place. And um, so my wife's family is from Louisiana. And I remember when I first got to New Orleans in Louisiana, I was just overcome with how joyous it was. Yes. There's like a real top shelf joy thing going on in Louisiana that makes me so happy. And the music is incredible. And it's, it's like synonymous with the word joy for me is Louisiana. (gasps) And so with our first daughter, I'm like, I think I threw it out like, well, Louisiana, Louisiana grammar just kind of like rolls. It feels great. So that was Louisiana. And then Israel, who's so freaking cute. um, It's the center. So I'm a Baha'i, which is a world religion based on the unity of religions. And the center of the Baha'i faith is in in Israel, Haifa Israel. So we named her Israel. And so we go Louis and Izzy and they're so, so cute. Oh my gosh. Those are gorgeous explanations. Yeah, they were, they woke us up really early this morning. They're fantastic. <laughs> That's just precious. Do they go on tour with you? You know, we wanted to. It was such a dicey situation because we just got back. And so when we started the tour, it was still a little bit like COVID question yeah. of like, can we can people leave the tour, come back? So we were really locked down. We were a bubble on tour. Yeah. So I didn't get to see them for a month, which was pretty hard. But hopefully the next leg will be a little bit more loose. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. So how are you taking everything that you've learned in your career and applying it to parenthood? Uh, I think what's sweet about that is just the songs that come are different. You have different, like if you fall in love with your wife and you write, I always say like if you write a song to your wife or your girlfriend, it's like straight across. And if you write a song to your daughter, there's something so sweet about writing it down. Like a love song down it ha- comes with a whole other sweetness that I've really been enjoying. Yeah. Oh, that is just so beautiful. And I can just tell you, I am certain those girls feel so loved every day, every day, your yes. wife, especially, and those girls. Yes, they do. <gasps> so what's on the horizon for you? Tell us more about the second leg of the Art of Joy yes. Tour. Art of Joy tour is coming relatively soon. We have, uh, we're going to be touring even more after that. We got a lot of new songs coming. It's a really fun time. I feel like there's so much pent up uh, desire to get out and to release music and to be social. And, uh, yeah. and the fact that it's starting to happen is just, I'm on fire. It's so fun. I think it's people so, are so, so ready for it. Yeah. You're going to feel the and energy. I, as someone that's been carrying a flag of like uh, joy and optimism, uh, it has a, an extra th- meaning right now. There's something about it that's even a little more important than it ever, than it ever was. So that I can feel that at the show as well. And oh. people are showing up and we have this moment to be together and feel a certain way that's been hard to feel. So wow. it's, it's special. I feel it in your voice. I mean, I almost feel like you're singing right now. It's very, very excited. <laughs> so happy to be back.
Okay, so are you ready to play a game? How do you feel about games? Go, I'm in. Okay, so the name of this game is It's a Hit. Okay. We created this game just for you. I'm going to say a topic, and you just have to come up with a couple of lyrics on the spot to sing for the secret squad out there. Okay. All right. Number one, the topic, flossing your teeth. Flossing your teeth. Um, so this is kind of what we do in my house is we just come up with little songs for every little thing. Oh my gosh. Uh, you gotta floss your teeth. You gotta floss your teeth. If you want your smile to be shining, you gotta floss those teeth. Oh, I love this game. Okay. That was beautiful. Okay. Number Thank two, you. sending a risky text to the wrong person. <laughs> sending her to the wrong person yeah um oops <laughs> that's called oops there it is <laughs> really big oops i love that okay next one this is the last one this one okay we'll make a big finish okay bedtime routine song oh my goodness okay i will sing you one of our bedtime routine songs oh, good which is that I have a song for both girls. So Louise is, oh, oh, little Louie, I love you so, I love you so. You are my sweetheart, you are my world. You're my one and only, you're my little girl. Oh, oh, little Louie, I love you so. And then Izzy's. Because if you do one and you don't do the other, they get pissed. Oh, yeah. Izzy, Izzy Israel, I love you if you can't tell. I love you in the morning. I love you in the evening. Love you in the middle of the night. You came in darkness. You're our little light. Oh, there it is. My God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Izzy was born the second week of the pandemic, and it was such a sweet thing to have such a horrible situation occurring, but clearly you couldn't be that upset because you got this new amazing little person in here. So it was like such a sweet thing. That was so beautiful. All of the women in this office right now are just sobbing and smiling. God bless you and your beautiful women in your house. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay, so one of my favorite questions to ask any woman, because okay. they're all experts, yes. is can you tell me something, one thing your dad did really good and one thing you wish he could have done a little better? Oh, one thing my father did really, really well is I have a twin brother and I have three wow. older sisters. Uh, sadly, I've lost one of my sisters and my, and my mother, I've lost my mother. But the one thing my father did really, really well is he respected all of the women in the house. And he always told my brother every day to respect all of his sisters and his mother every day, mm. always. He said, yeah. don't ever walk into the room without a shirt on, take that hat off at the table. Just always help your mother with those groceries, help your sister carry that. Respect the women in the, in the home, just always. So I always oh. felt respected growing up because my father just preached it every day. And, and he would tell every one of us girls in the house, you're my favorite, but don't tell your sisters. 
but he told all of us that it was just so sweet and then one thing i wished he did better um my father was an alcoholic and he hated that so i wished he had taken better care of himself and done what he needed to do to get that demon off his back because he hated it he hated it for his family Uh, I appreciate that. That's a really sincere answer. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for letting yeah. me talk about my father because I loved him so much. And I really think I was his favorite, but no. <laughs> but it was a fun, it was a fun, cute thing he used to do to all of us girls. Yeah, so sweet. Thank oh man. You. This has been such an honor for me to visit with you. What a love you are. What a sweetheart. Thank you oh, so much for having you. me. Thank you. And well, so sadly, that brings us to the end of the episode. And I, I can't tell you how moved I am right now. I just I want you to please give your wife a hug from all of us women here and a big one from me because she is truly blessed and your daughters oh, are you. as well. Thank you so, so much. Before we wrap up, though, I need to ask you one final question. Do you have hey, a major life secret that you've learned along the way that you would like to share with the listeners? I would say, going back to what we said when we started this interview, mm-hmm. it can't be harped on enough that um, figuring out how to be to, of service to other people will really get you out of your phone. So, like, I hesitate to say because it, it makes me sound like I'm trying to get praise or something. But when I'm when I can't seem when I'm like not in my light and I can't seem to find it, um, I will go sing at children's hospitals. I will go deliver stuff to homeless people. I will call a friend. Something as simple as like call a friend and cheer them on in their mm. pursuits. Oh. I will get out of myself. That is my that is my secret. Oh, is figure it. out how to be of service to other people, and you will inevitably be happier. I love that secret. That's why I named this podcast. I've got a secret because I feel like we all have something that we can share that will change someone else's life, and that is life changing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This time with you has been wonderful. So now please tell the listeners how to find you and your music online. Totally. Go to andygrammer.com. If you want to get like tickets to shows, you can find me on all the, the places where you listen to music. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, wherever you guys are at. Come say hi. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Secret Squad, as always, head on over to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more fun and information. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.